Welcome to the Something Quite New podcast brought to you by leading sponsorship and communications agency Cinequanon. I'm Dan McLaren. And I'm Chris Hughes. And each fortnight we'll be bringing you the latest news, views and opinions from the ever-evolving world of sports business. And we'll be going deep to bring you insight and intelligence from leading lights across the industry, taking a close look at the challenges and opportunities that are presenting themselves in this fast-paced world we live in. Well, Chris, here we are, episode one. Where should we start? Well, we've had such a positive response to the short teaser episode that dropped a few days ago. I just hope that we can live up to the high expectations that we've uh, set for ourselves. But in a week where Theresa May was asked to deliver something quite new in her Brexit plan, we couldn't really be more perfectly timed, Dan. And there's been plenty going on in the sports business world, from Guinness's impressive activation campaigns around the Six Nations, to the announcement that cycling's Team Sky become Team Ineos. As well as high-profile returns for Formula One, MotoGP, and more recent news from Google and their new gaming platform, Stadia, there are talking points galore. I'm excited we can delve into so many areas of the industry in this podcast, so let's start as we mean to go on. Our first guest for our first ever podcast is European Sponsorship Association Chairman Andy Westlake, and there's no better person to get a top-line look at the sponsorship industry. I had the chance to sit down for a lengthy chat with Andy, just after the ESSA Awards, so there's plenty of best practice examples for us to discuss. We covered a wealth of content, including some of the hurdles facing the industry currently, and it's an extremely positive outlook. And actually listening to your chat, it was clear that even in a relatively uncertain marketplace with the dreaded B word still omnipresent, that sponsorship, and particularly sports sponsorship, remains a potent part of the marketing mix, but crucially, only when activated to its fullest. Andy described it as the magic dust that marketing directors can sprinkle liberally to bring all the areas of the marketing mix together. I was particularly interested in Andy's insight into measurement and metrics and objective settings at the start of any sponsorship discussion that really make sponsorship properly successful. But don't just take my word for it. Let's hear it from the horse's mouth. Dan caught up with Andy Westlake and started with a reminder of what sponsorship actually is. Like always, the easy the easy default thing to do at this point is to open the dictionary, which I did earlier, to see what the definition looks like. Um, and the definition that I saw this morning was... Sponsorship is, and I quote, the act of providing money for a television or radio program, website, sports event, or other activity in exchange for advertising. And so I think that's a you know a pretty black and white definition. Um, and I think the um, the sponsorship industry has moved very substantially forward from that quite old, um, quite generic definition. Um, but ultimately, that relationship is 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 still intact. It's a relationship between a brand that has you know business and brand marketing objectives and uh, a rights holder that has financial objectives, but also engagement objectives with its fans. And and there's a, a beautiful coming together of those two organisations where there's benefit accrued by both of them. But principally, the direction of travel of that benefit is towards the brand themselves. So here's a brand with a problem. Um, they see the audience of a football club or, a, or an athletics meeting or a, an arts organisation as the perfect audience for their brand. And so there's an opportunity for them to give some money, yes, but also to get some benefit in return so that they can build a richer and more dynamic relationship with their customers. And so sponsorships certainly moved, moved forward from that definition, you know, providing money in exchange for advertising. The word advertising in that in that sense has has grown substantially bigger now in terms of the kind of benefit that sponsors um, realise from those sorts of relationships. Fast forward another thirty or forty years, and we see a world now where sponsorship is a a really really advanced 
um, form of, of marketing communications. I describe it as the magic dust that marketing directors now use to sprinkle over everything they do in their business, not just marketing communications and digital, but CRM and internal comms and everything that makes that organization tick. So I think it's become a really, really advanced um, form of um, of brand marketing, um, not necessarily a, a, a vertical, a thing that you spend money on, but a, a function that you spend money on that, le- that lets and allows the rest of your marketing investment to work harder for you. Because even over the last 10 years where we've had financial crisis, Brexit, all kinds of things, that market's still growing. Yes. So yeah. we're from 68 billion predicted to go up to what, 70 in 2020? Yeah, it was 60, 65.8 in 2018, globally, $65.8 billion. And yeah, the prediction is that it'll continue to grow at a similar kind of pace. So just getting up to close to 70 Why do you think brands dollars. have that much faith in it? When um, others kind of might go by the wayside when things start to get higher, sponsorship still seems to remain as quite a core function. Because I think we're in a very complex communications landscape now and it's becoming harder and harder for marketing directors. Again, I look back to my days in working in a media buying agency, even even that, you know, not too long ago, buying the centre break of Coronation Street in this market was still a, a very significant thing. You could reach 60% of the nation by buying a, a really good, high quality campaign on ITV. That just doesn't happen anymore. You know, I look at my kids and the way they consume media they're all on a whole plethora of different platforms. They're certainly not watching the, cent- the centre break of Coronation Street anymore in quite the numbers they used to. And, and one of the things that still unites our nation together and brings great big groups of people together behind one common cause is, is sport. I know sponsorship is bigger than just sport, but sponsorship represents about three quarters of the revenue that's spent in, in sponsorship. So um, you know, sport still has the power to bring massive audiences together. They, they st- we still create and curate um, moments of national significance. And bra- we, we give brands through sponsorship a p- permission to be an active and an authentic part of those conversations. And so sponsorship continues to, to grow because I think marketing directors see the power of that personal connection with the consumer, the power of the curated audience, the power of the um, the groups of people coming together underneath one common cause as an incredibly powerful thing for their organisations to be part of. Um, I think Brexit has had a, you know, a temporarily a, an effect on people's confidence around spending big money in sponsorship. And we've got, what, three weeks to go before we do or don't leave the European Union. Whoever, well, not whoever, quite just yet. Whoever knows, yeah. <laughs> But um, and I think so. I think that has ha- has had an effect in the in the last you know eighteen months to two years. People saying, well, we don't want to commit to a five year substantial budget on sponsorship because we don't really know. We know there's too much uncertainty going on in the market at the moment. But saying that, there are still sports that are driving forward, doing lots and lots of deals, football, motorsport, etc., doing very very good things. You know, new entrants to the market, which I'm sure we'll come on to talk about, but things like esports, which again, is giving brands a brand new place to have a, a, a new and authentic conversation with a young, much more dynamic audience. Um, for me, it's about marketing directors finally realising that sponsorship is a thing that can make all of their investments just more engaging to the people they're trying to reach. It puts the onus on them to select the right property and to make sure they really understand their consumers before they go into that deal. But on the assumption that the deal they do gives them a gateway to their current and future customers, 
being a, a genuine part of that conversation is a brilliant way for them to do great business. And ultimately, that's what sponsorship's all about. It's not. It's no longer the chairman's whim, for sure. And I'm sure there are a few deals that still get done like that. But most organisations I see now have said, this is the business outcome that we want to generate as a result of spending this money. These are the objectives, therefore, that we're going to set with real clarity about where we're headed. These are the measurement criteria we're going to put in place to make sure that all of the things we do are delivering against those objectives. And we'll review it on a regular basis so that, you know, when we get to the renewal phase in two or three years time, we're really, really confident that the partnership with, you know, organisation X is delivering really good tangible benefit back to our, our, our business. For in terms of measurement, picking up on that part, when you've got the results you can get on digital and the, the whole performance marketing element now, yeah, where you know you can allocate budget, here's my target audience, here's where I can measure it, and it's bang, 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 bang. Yes. How does sponsorship stack up against that? Because the marketing director is going to have to go, right, part of my budget goes here, part of my budget, and I've got to justify yes. all those different parts yeah, yeah, of the budget. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I, and I think that 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 is a challenge. There was a conference last week that I was I was at um, that talked particularly about the return on investment thing, and I think there probably are a number of marketing directors out there that are slightly more cynical about sponsorship because it isn't so easy to to measure. There isn't a sort of press this button to measure the the effect of of your sponsorship. Yeah, you kind of um, see the ad equivalency type things. Yeah which have their place because it gives you a benchmark, but yeah. is it a true reflection? Yeah, so, I mean, I think the um, my answer to that would be that my view is that sponsorship is eminently measurable, but it's just it just takes a little bit more effort to genuinely measure the return from sponsorship. And it, and it, and it requires you, as I said earlier, it requires you to say, what actually are, do we want this sponsorship to deliver for our organisation? What are our really smart and specific objectives that we're asking this sponsorship to deliver. And then you sit down with each one of those objectives and say, right, how do we go about structuring a measurement criteria that allows us to know whether we've moved the needle on that particular objective? So if it's about sales, if it's about awareness, if it's about affinity with the brand, set some specific measures so that you can track how you're, do how you're doing against each one of those objectives. And then at the end of the first year, you can say, right, we've, we've done some bespoke research. We understand how it's moved the needle on each one of those measurements. Therefore, it's working or it's not. Now, I accept that's slightly more complex than buying a whole load of banner advertising and knowing to the button how many click-throughs you got from that banner and how many bits of business you generated as a result. Um, but I just say you're not necessarily comparing apples with apples in that instance. And, and the power of the personal and authentic connection that you get with the, with the end consumer through sponsorship is worth that little bit more effort at the beginning to set clear objectives so that when you get to the end, you can say, well, I know precisely what I'm measuring and I know what the outcomes were, whether they're very pointy return on investment outcomes or more prosaic return on investment outcomes, return on objectives outcomes. Um, so, but yes, it, it's definitely um, an area we need to continue to work on as an industry, but I don't think we'll ever get to the same point that digital has got to, which is you press this one button and it tells you what the re what the result is. Because sponsorship is deter is sponsorship as a as a as a vehicle can do so many different things. You know, pretty much every any marketing challenge you have or any organisational challenge you have as a CEO or a marketing director or a COO or a director of finance, 
you can ask sponsorship to deliver for you. And so in that instance, it's almost impossible to have a one-size-fits-all piece of measurement methodology that will deliver an outcome from all of that. So um, it's, it's harder work, but my view is that it delivers much more engaging marketing as a result of doing it well. It's almost fallen into your hands a little bit and through sponsorship is data, people are starting to question it. Is that Facebook data actually right? Yes. But I know that if I do sponsorship, then I'm going to get all these different benefits back. Yeah. And it's almost, okay, don't look at either this or that. It's how does everything work together? Yes. So, you know, ad placement has a part with sponsorship. Sponsorship has a uh, part with trying to build the brand. Yes. And make direct sales as well. So yeah, as you yeah, say, it kind yeah. of plugs into all the different Yeah, and, look, and, and, you know, I've seen so many over the, over the years looking at all the awards entries out in the world. You know, I've seen so many sponsorship awards entries that talk about um, counting in, in social media. You know, how many likes, how many shares, how many video views, how many tweets and retweets. Um, and, and ultimately, while that's all helpful... It's it's also broadly meaningless. It's the same as the as you referenced earlier. The sort of the um, advertising value equivalent measures. You know this this piece of activity that we we delivered generated you know ten billion dollars worth of advertising value equivalent because the logo was on the back wall of a tennis court or on the perimeter of a football club. Again, it's all useful, but it's broadly meaningless. You know what you have to do is get into the into the weeds of the objectives themselves. You know, if it's about affinity or awareness or sales, then measure affinity, awareness or sales. Don't lean back on the easy things around counting advertising value equivalent and counting social media impressions when each one of those social media impressions could could ultimately be utterly meaningless. Um, so, yeah, my challenge to, to brands and to rights holders is to is to really take that obligation seriously around objective setting and real measurement of the things that you're asking the sponsorship to move instead of just saying, you know, and I've worked with clients in the past that have, that have relied really heavily on, on AVE and felt very, very smug that they were working on some portfolio, sponsorship portfolio projects that were delivering massive return on investment but actually what was the real return in terms of their brand and the brand metrics that were important to their business. But we never really got sight of some of those. So I won't name any names, obviously. Is that just because it's big numbers and it's yeah. easy to report into someone above you? Yeah, and it's and it's complicated. It's, diff- it's difficult. It's, it's more difficult to say, is success um, 15 to 1 return on investment based on an advertising value equivalent measure? Or is it better to say... We were specifically after moving a specific a specific brand attribute, and so let's particularly measure amongst our consumers how we've managed to move that attribute as a result of the sponsorship of Team X or Event Y. That's more complex, and some brands either don't have the appetite or the time to do that. But I was I would always challenge every single brand and every single rights holder to take that objective setting and measurement really, really seriously. And, the, and, and I see, wearing my other hat as, as chairman of ESSA, I see, I see that happen a lot. A lot of the football clubs actually have come to us specifically in the last six or eight months and said, we'd love you to help us to talk to our sponsors, to ask them to set really clear objectives, because actually it makes our job really hard as the football club to be able to deliver stuff that will meaningfully move the dial on their objectives. And we don't know what they are. So we really need everybody to be in this mindset, which is let's set 
be really clear on what good looks like and be really ruthless about measuring it. Is that part of it that sponsorship is kind of platform agnostic as well? Yes. So it can shape and change as times change. Yeah, yeah. yeah where right, so. banner ads, that's banner ads. Yes. PR is PR. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a mix of all these different things and can just incorporate something new if needs to. Yeah, yeah, t- totally. And, and uh, yeah, again, I mean, it, even at Fast Track, you know, I was, a, I was in a, a sports marketing agency called Fast Track from 2002 to 2015. And the first five years of, of my existence at Fast Track, you know, that it was a, a, a much more traditional model back then, which was, you know, the, the branding was, was important, the, the hospitality leverage was important, the print media was really important, as, were, as was the broadcast media. But from that five years in until, you know, the, the very end of my time in that organisation, clearly we had digital and the social arrive in a massive way. And so we very, very quickly had to um, had to be very nimble in terms of the way we integrated some of those new channels into our activation. And I think that that's just a thing in agency in the agency world now, isn't it? That there's a new there's a new channel, a new platform, a new thing that arrives. And these new news these new platforms don't come with a you know sports marketing how to guide. You just kind of lean in and say, right, let's have a go. You know, when Twitter first landed, when Facebook first landed, when Instagram first landed, um, the agencies that made the biggest buzz were the agencies that just said, right, let's get stuck in, let's see how this works. And actually, a lot of them created some really good award-winning work just by saying, well, here's a smart idea, let's do that, and kind of getting on with it. You've got that challenge of how do you stand out? Because Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, feeds are getting more and more congested. Yeah. And... The platforms themselves make it harder for brands to stand out. Yeah. How do you then use sponsorship to help stand out, be something different? Use of good, good, smart use of content clearly is a, is, a, is a really powerful thing over the years that's worked incredibly well. And, you know, I think ultimately, like, look, I look at my daughter, for example, my 15-year-old daughter who's a Man City fan for her sins. I don't know entirely how that happened. You can, you can hear my rich <laughs> Mancunian accent she consumes all of man city's social channels and she will willingly accept man city sponsors into her timeline if they're adding value to her passion for the club and that requires them to think a little bit more carefully about the kind of content that they're sharing that the stuff that they're doing is value adding over and above what the football club are doing themselves you know the, the behind the scenes stuff. The you know the, the 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 show on Netflix, for example. You know was a was a brilliant opportunity for her to get behind the scenes with a football club that she loves, and her relationship with that channel was enriched. Things like that have got to be done so right. Haven't yeah, they? yeah. They have. So Man City one I really enjoyed. Mm. I haven't seen Sunderland yet. One of the Sunderland ones meant to be Which astonishingly good. Right here. I yeah, think yeah, is yeah. one word to use to describe. Yeah. It. Well, I mean, uh, but then you got Juventus one which just looked like a corporate PR video. Yeah, yeah. And really and the, didn't come across very And the Sunderland well. one was interesting, isn't it? Because I guess they thought they were going in, the, in a slightly different get promoted. direction. <laughs> yeah. And as a Wiccan Wanderers fan, um, my daughter is also a reluctant Wiccan Wanderers fan. You know, I think we've got Sunderland coming to Adam's Park this weekend, but um, astonishing, really. We spoke very glowingly about sponsorship, but what are the challenges coming up as well, do you think? Or do you just see them as opportunities? <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'm, I, I, I definitely always see it like that because I, I, I don't necessarily think that there are massive challenges being presented to the industry. I think, you know, Brexit clearly has been 
has been a challenge. I think you know partially the way um, the sales process has been handled in the, it historically has been a bit of a challenge. I think measurement to some people, and we've touched on it already in the conversation. You know the the sort of marginal complexity around. Because there is no industry standard, is there? No, no. because everyone's different. You yeah. can't just apply one to exactly. everything. So the you know they, this sort of um, perceived complexity around measurement in sponsorship could be seen as a challenge. My view is that um, the believers, if you like really understand how powerful sponsorship can be, how it can deliver real return. Um, and all we need to do as an industry is to merchandise those really good case studies more and more and more so that the people who are more cynical about the market become believers, brothers and sisters. <laughs> I was doing this presentation last week and I, I talked about the, um, the Monty Python uh, life of Brian, you know, the Romans, what have the Romans ever done for us? And I, I was kind of referring... Referring to um, to that in the context of sponsorship, and that cynical marketing directors would say, "Well, yeah, well, what's sponsorship ever done for us? You know, how could it work?" And actually, if you give them a long list of things that sponsorship's able to do for them, it might be that situation that helps them to change their minds, like like it did for the guy in the life of Brian about the uh, the role of the Romans in those times. <laughs> I don't think it's a ch- I don't think it's a challenge for sponsorship, but I think it's a, a cultural challenge around. Um, the impact that digital and devices are having on our kids, on Gen Z and Generation Alpha or whatever they're yeah. going to be called next. Something we just don't know yet, do we? Yeah. I was listening to a podcast, I don't know if you know Calm, the um, mindfulness app. Yes. Um, there was a guy on there that was being interviewed, a guy called Adam Alter, who's Associate Professor of Marketing at New York University's Stern School of Business. And he was doing a thing about addiction to devices and he was saying that um, 75% of adults in the US can reach their mobile phone without moving their feet, which, was, which I thought was a, a rather terrifying statistic. And he asked all his students how often they spent on their device, how long they spent every day on their devices. And he said that his students spent between six and 12 hours a day on their devices. And, and his quote was, this generation are displaying behaviors that are measurably different to every generation that went before them. And that for me is a slightly terrifying thing but it also especially in sport gives me a sense of the potential contribution that sponsorship and sports marketing can make to tackling that issue which is every single campaign that works in sport taking the grassroots bit seriously getting our kids off the sofas and out onto the parks and the running tracks of the nation to get much much more actively engaged in sport and actually the sponsorship community has a massive role to play in that because you know they have money to bring and, and outcomes to deliver that grassroots sport can really achieve. So I think that's that's one of them. This sort of topic around community sport um, and that and and how the sponsorship industry helps to tackle this, you know, move towards it's digital inter- interesting. devices. The more digital we get, and the more important experiences are getting at the same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. So people want those breaks away and actually see things in real life. Yeah, yeah, to, for sure. And and there's um, there was a great a great book by a couple of guys called Pine and Gilmore who wrote a, a book called The Experience Economy, where they were saying that experiences are becoming much more a currency in the world of commerce. Um, you look at the Apple Store. Um, you know they do well because they they bring you into this amazing experience. They're not designed to sell things. No, exactly. It's you just come a in brilliant experience. experience. You might do yeah. something and ask people about it. And so again, I I believe that if if that is the way that commerce is moving, then again, sponsorship, not just sport, but across the piece, has a brilliant role to play because you know we are the purveyors of some of the world's greatest experiences. And brands can ha- can use the, the the assets that sponsorship provides them 
to build some of the world's greatest experiences, frankly, where um, you can bring your customers into an environment where they'll they'll simply be blown away by the kind of access you can give them. Pine and Gilmore also talk about how moving on from the experience economy is this idea of a transformation economy, where the next stage of the experience thing is for brands to think about how do they give their customers genuine transformations in their lives. So the example I gave was an airline, for example, that the people that fly in the very expensive pointy end of a plane, is there a way for the organisations that work in airlines to say, or the airline organisations that spend money in sponsorship to say, right, we're going to use the sponsorship assets that we have to create transformational experiences for the people that fly in, the, in first class in our plane. So we're going, to, we're going to ask them individually, what is it that makes you tick? What are your kids into? And we're going to curate experiences that will transform your children's lives. I mean, how would that, that would, that would create some real traction with the CEO of company X if he flew with, you know, airline Y every single time. And they all of a sudden took a really personal interest in how their sponsorship assets could have a really transformational effect on, on his family and those people around him. So I think that's a really interesting thought as well around you know the transformation economy. How can sport help to be part of a, a, a credible part of that? You mentioned about experiences as well. A nice flow into that would be new technologies, immersive technology. Yeah. So your XR, so which incorporates everything from VR to AR to the middle ground of, of mixed reality. Where do you see these new technologies? Because potentially they could give you a complete escape and you could be anywhere. Because yeah. audio technology is, get, is catching up with the visual technology. Mm. So you literally, visually, everything, even touch, Yes. you can be somewhere that you're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which just opens up scary and exciting opportunities. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I watched, I don't know if you've seen it, the Ready Player One, the Steven Spielberg movie. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it. So I watched that at the weekend with my son. And this is a world in 2045... The quote was they were using VR to escape the desolation of the real world. But they basically lived in this virtual world called Oasis. Um, and it was this sort of really grim real world. But in every single house, you you know, they've got their VR goggles on and they occupy with these fantastic characters, this, this odd world called Oasis. I think the VR, te- the good technology is still quite quite challenging to use but I think give us two or three years and VR will have really arrived and rights holders will be using it to create brilliant experiences of their live matches um, brands will be using it to create the brilliant experiences and transformational experiences around their sponsorships um, I think it's probably the thing that's going to be you know the next big leap over the next couple of years it feels really really exciting but it comes with that health warning, which is we also have to continue to worry with a little W about keeping our kids active and engaged in physical activity as well. Because, you know, I would I would hate us to live in that sort of virtual world where being physical act, physically active wasn't a really, really important thing anymore. Um, and I still think, I still get a real buzz from grassroots sport. I'm also involved in um, Cheshire United Ladies, a, a grassroots football club not a million miles from here. And I see the, the benefits firsthand of those kids coming and playing grassroots sport from eight and upwards. Um, and I would hate technology to steal that off them, you know, albeit that they're all obsessed with their phones and they, you know, their coach says you, you can't bring a phone when you're training or to matches. 
so I think it's a balance. But VR are super exciting, I think, in terms of the next the next generation of activation for sponsorship and the next generation of, of experiences for rights holders. Finish up with a quick couple of questions. First one, giving credit to people who are doing it really well. The rewards has just happened for ESSA as well. Yes. What's, who do you see is doing it really well and why at the moment? Yeah, so I mean, the, there are, we had the um, ESSA Awards last week, um, which was brilliant and, you know, great because we have entries from all over Europe and so some, some fantastic work representing a real array of, of sponsorship entries. Our, our um, Sponsorship of the Year act actually came from Ireland again, an organisation called Electric Ireland, who won last year for a programme called Darkness Into Light, which is a, a mass participation walk that they do for Pieta House, who are a suicide prevention charity in Ireland and it's just a you know an amazing program that has really transformed their brand metrics but more importantly it's put tons and tons of money and energy and resources into that charity um, has had a transformational um, impact on both sides of that equation and you know they put a, a, a absolutely sublime entry together and, and we'll be presenting at the uh, the conference we're running sponsor live in in Brussels in March and they won again this year, uh, Electric Ireland, with a campaign called Game Changers, which was around women's football. And in fact, Ireland, full stop, has got lots and lots of good work coming out of it. Um, so they really understand this, um, you know, how sponsorship can can sit across everything they're doing from brand marketing, commercial and communications perspective. But there were some some other really good winners, Wix and, and the English Football League had a really, really smart piece of work around B2B getting um, their local tradesmen to favour um, Wix as their supplier of local building materials in return for them giving that builder unique and, and better access to their local football league club. Music, there was some really, really good work happening in music, so Co-op and, and um, Carlsberg with Live Nation um, doing some, some work, again, that really, really recognised the power of sponsors to add value to the live music experience. So Co-op had these pop-up stores at a number of the Live Nation events. Carlsberg, again, found in a piece of insight that most of the people that go to these big festivals always struggle to find cold beer. And so Carlsberg did this cold beer thing where you could pre-order your beer and then you turn up at, you know, whatever, download festival. And you knew that you could go to this place and you could get ice cold cans of beer that you had sort of pre pre-organized. So just really smart, intuitive thinking around a problem that they could help solve. O2, um, you know, that whilst they, they didn't win at the ESSA Awards, I know that they're up for a UK sponsorship award as well for, you know, a lifetime achievement, if you like. And there's a whole bunch of campaigns that are being judged there. And the one that I see at the moment is uh, visits at the top at this point in time is the is the Six Nations. And I think how Guinness have, have really, really credibly taken over from their predecessor as, as the brand new sponsor of the Six Nations tournament and done a brilliant job. And, you know, their Guinness Clear thing, that corporate social responsibility thing around drinking water as well as it took a lot of gallons by surprise, of I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to finish off, podcast called Something Quite New. So we'd like to finish with something that you'd like to share with us that is just that. Yeah, well, I, I, I guess I... I I was reflecting on a whole load of things. I mean, I guess the the one the one thing, again, wearing a slightly wearing an Essa hat, is the is the the coming of age of the sponsorship industry with the the Can Lions. So the Can Lions has always been this um, great celebration of creativity and innovation in advertising and marketing, and sport and sponsorship has always lived as a, as a little subset of of that. 
that celebration. But this year, for the first time, um, the Cannes Lions are going to be awarding the Entertainment Lion for Sport. So sport and sports marketing has finally arrived on the international creative scene as a thing that marketing directors and creative directors need to take seriously or more seriously maybe than they have before. So yeah, 2019 will be the first year where Cannes awards a, a, a sports sponsorship um, for being entertainment line for sport. So that's, that's quite an exciting. That's definitely something quite new. Andy, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Pleasure talking to you. Good, thanks. A really fascinating interview, Dan, and thanks so much to Andy for giving up his time to speak exclusively to us. We hope that you found something quite new to you. If you did, then do leave us a rating or review. They do make a difference in helping people find the podcast and be massively appreciated by myself and Chris. That's it from Something Quite New for now. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.